Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So here we are. Today, we're going to be diving into how to space out your client meetings because cadence of these meetings is kind of important. You don't want to go too quickly and overwhelm clients or not give them the time to be able to complete what needs to be done. And if it's too long in between meetings, it not only drags on for you as the coach, but it can sap a lot of forward momentum with the clients. So I'm excited to get your feedback and input. I certainly have mine based on my business experience and you and yours more from the planning world, I think will be interesting too. So let's just dive right into it. Where do you want to start? Let's start with as always, taking a step back and looking at it from a higher level. Okay. And the, the reality is there are really th- three things that you need to think about with regard to the cadence of the meetings. The first thing is the client's tolerance for how often the meetings happen. We tend to think that the more meetings, the better. And clients tend to agree with that until they start getting into coaching <laughs> into the process or in my case planning and michael kitsis has this story that he tells and that is going through and identifying his a clients his b clients his c clients and his as c clients turn into b clients or b clients turn into a clients he would send them an email that said hey you get to go from two meetings a year to three meetings a year, or from three meetings a year to four meetings a year. And his clients were never as happy or excited about that announcement as he wanted them to be, as he expected them to be. And he found out, much to his chagrin, that his client's reaction to that was, wait, okay, wait a second. I'm paying you more money and you are forcing me to sit in traffic more times per year to come to a meeting with you? Okay. So just always think about it. What is, and sometimes you need to ask, what is the client's perspective on this? And we get skewed perspective because before clients get into an engagement, and this isn't law, CPA, whatever, they don't really understand the value of especially a professional service until they actually go through the process. So the only thing that they can tie themselves to is how many hours do I get with the person? Kind of like I'm paying this person a minimum wage job type thing. So that's what the kinds of questions they ask in the beginning. And it kind of trains us as the professionals to be thinking, okay, so more hours is what they want. Really what they're struggling to figure out is how do I quantify the value of something that's so ethereal? That's a great point. Once they get into it, they kind of experience the value the hours are no longer the thing that they're using to quantify it. And so oftentimes meetings with us become a pain in the butt. So the first thing is client tolerance. 
And client tolerance shifts over time. Yeah. This is not something they have your, their first meeting. And they're like, oh, wow, now I understand all of the value. It's this sort of progression that happens. The second thing is what you want to accomplish. So what do you want to accomplish over what period of time? And for most people, with the very, very rare exception, they cannot have two big things going on in their head at once, which is why when I do coaching, budgeting and debt management are two separate things and they're separated by a period of time because that's a lot of things that can overwhelm people. So what do you want to accomplish over what period of time? If there are three separate things that you want to accomplish over a two-month period, well, two months divided by three gives you every three-ish weeks, two and a half weeks. And then the third thing, the final thing is what has to happen in between the meetings? If a client has to go through all of their spending for the last three months, expecting the next meeting to happen in two days is completely unrealistic unless the client happens to be unemployed. <laughs> From a high level, that's how you determine your schedule. So right. it is really bespoke. And I think it, there, there is an inherent, well, pushback, if you feel. I feel there's nope. yeah. an inherent difference around coaching and planning, at least where most coaches are helping clients with kind of the hand-holding budgeting, debt management, behavioral change in from mm -hmm. a place where clients are kind of, excuse my French, but like in the shit with it. And, <laughs> you know, like the meetings with people to really mm -hmm. just have to. So I have found that meetings are really helpful, at least in the very beginning. So as you have three or four meetings in the first month and then start spacing right. them out with less cadence, but seeing how someone who kind of the more traditional archetype for someone who could use planning probably has their foundations of money management a bit more together. You'd and be surprised. That's what it should. There are lots of millionaires that still don't have them down, have it down. <laughs> Which is why I know financial planners are hiring more like coaches, paraplana types to work with budgeting and debt management. Yeah. Because that is a big thing. But I see for the clients who don't fall into that are planners. There being less of a need if they can do more of it on their own. Well, and keep in mind, those three things are going to be different for every client, and they're going to be different very depending much. on what you're working on with the client. Very good point. So the stuff that I do coaching with my coaching clients is a very different cadence, a very different schedule, a very different time between meetings than what I do with financial planning clients, yeah. right? And even with like really complex things, my financial planning clients who are running a business their business is like their core everything, right? It's their core asset. It's their core income. It's their core identity oftentimes. And so with that, I do monthly sessions with those people. Now they get charged for that, but it's monthly sessions because I offer quarterly sessions and every client switches to monthly because they have like the first meeting. And it's not like a year down the road. It's like after the first meeting, they're like, yeah, I can't wait another month. There's too much going on in my business. <laughs> and so, again, it's about those three things about the client. And it's important to realize that the cadence that I'm going to have, is not going to be right for Garrett's clients. 
is not going to be right for your clients because not only are they different people, what we're dealing with different things. And this is one thing that I like about launch as a quick plug is just helping in that coaching process week saying like, what do you want to accomplish with the client in this seven step CFP process, like gathering information, each stage of this process, what do you want to get done? What deliverables do you want to have for them? Because there is no one size fits all. I know we're talking right. between planning and coaching, but for every individual coach, I think there are yeah. some, there's some foundational content that's important to cover with everyone. However, different types of clients will also want that delivered in different ways and add a different cadence. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's, it can be helpful to see as frameworks, what other people are doing. Like I've had people reach out based on my Kitsis article and the cadence I had at the time. I was like, well, it kind of worked at the time, but now it looks different because I've changed who I work with, what I cover. Yeah. And that's, I think the most important thing is don't try to build it around what other people have built. Because other people oftentimes build things with zero consideration of the client. Yeah. It's literally like, well, this is what I want to talk about when I want to talk about it. And the ones that have built it with consideration of their client in mind, that was their client in mind, meaning it by definition is not going to be correct for your client. And so while you can get ideas and inspiration and sort of have this big box of Legos that are unassembled by looking at all of these different things, you actually have to put the Legos together yourself for what you're going to take from different ideas and different areas that's right for your clients and what you want to accomplish. So most of the time, I would argue that all of these things line up where you're going to have a more regular cadence in the beginning because the client tolerance is they want more meetings in the beginning and they're excited by those more meetings. The client, what you want to accomplish, you have more things that you want to accomplish in the beginning because we want to have those big wins. And let's be honest, there's a lot that oftentimes needs to be done in order to get to a client, even to stability yeah. in the beginning. And the time that it takes, if you do things very strategically by breaking up the work that the client has to do is a little more, little quicker turnaround in the beginning. Clients are more excited to do the work and put in the time in the beginning. They get less excited the longer the program goes. And by the way, that excitement drops a lot faster than you think it does. But also you might have it where you start off with just gathering really basic information so that the first two meetings can be really close together. And then a little more of a gap between the second and the third meeting where they're gathering a lot more stuff, but at the same time, their excitement is still pretty high. So it's more likely that you can squeeze that window down. But after a few meetings, a few not being three, a few being whatever is right, it's going to slow. And so you might have over a six month window, six meetings, three in the first two months and two in the next four months. Yeah. And again, that's not the right formula. It's just giving ideas of how you want to structure your cadence. And it, again, will really depend on your type of client and mm -hmm. how busy their life is. And so knowing your client, right? Yeah. And this goes back to niche and building a process that is specifically built around them is really, really important so that you can 
not just understand what's going on in their lives and formulate the cadence appropriately, but also speaking to that point of people losing interest mm-hmm. is knowing how to frame your process and ask for information in a way that is relevant to their life. And so it excites them rather than has them feel like, oh, I have to put this together. Yeah. Um, and making sure that you can build that in throughout your process so that your client can continue to see it not as this is work that like I have to do because somebody told me I have to do it. But right here is how this is relevant to my life. I can see how by doing this, I'm continuing to make progress in this way. And each meeting can hopefully just help them see the path that they are on and the progress that they're making and how it's relevant. Just to add that on there. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is hard. So those of you who are feeling like, well, this just made it a hell of a lot harder than I thought it was in the beginning. It is hard. There is a reason why in launch, we do a week on the coaching process by itself. And it's just getting some strategic things down. And then we do seven or eight months. I think it's seven months. No, it is eight months. Eight months on the coaching process by itself, delving into deeply in each of those stages because it is complex. It's difficult. It's not something where you can just copy and paste and have that work optimally. Don't get me wrong. You can copy and paste and have it work okay. That is definitely true, but it's not going to be optimal for your clients. And yeah, using that Lego analogy that you said, it is helpful to the more that you look into other programs and what work for them and what don't work for them and talk to other coaches. You're filling up your box of Legos for potential building blocks for whatever you want to create, because it is helpful to have an understanding of what other people have done, what's worked, Mm -hmm. what hasn't worked, but then create your own. Yeah. So I, I wish I would have in the beginning gathered more Legos before to actually see what other people were doing as just a starting point where mm-hmm. this was a couple of years before this community even started. So yeah. I was just like, ah, dirt, let's throw it on <laughs> here and see how it works. It was not very well done at all. One thing I will say with regards to gathering Legos though, our natural inclination as humans, we, our brains are evolved to be pattern recognition machines. It is why you look at a light sock and you think it looks like a person going, right? Uh, Joshua Escalante Trush, everyone. This is what I deal with. But realize that one of the dangers of that is that you are going to gather, look at a few different people, and you might be unlucky of out of the first four people you look at, three of them have a very similar program. And our pattern recognition machine then looks at it and goes, ah, right answer. And it makes it very hard to break out of that pattern and actually build something that's actually correct and good and optimal for your client. And so as you're gathering all these different things, pay special attention to focus on more, elevate in your mind the importance of things that are different than what you're seeing out there mostly. So if you see, if you gather six programs, four of them look at almost exactly the same but the other two look really different. Focus more on the two that look really different so that you have more Lego blocks to to play with. 
we really should have gotten Lego to sponsor this at this point because the product placement is ridiculous. I could have had a little train or something going along back here. Yeah. <laughs> would have been perfect. And I love Legos. So this would have been great. Just uh, totally on brand for me. Should I go to my kids' Legos and just bring some in? <laughs> Next time. Next time. Next we'll time figure I... out how to, uh, a way to slip it in. Now I know what's going to go on that shelf. <laughs> There it is. And, you know, one idea is, especially as a newer coach, if you're working with beta clients, is to let them know that, hey, I'm testing out this kind of a cadence and just asking how it works for them. Yeah. Then is this cadence working for you? Is it not working for you? A lot of times they'll tell you, or you'll get a sense of they don't do any of the homework and they, you'll start to see similar reasons or explanations as to why. But just asking and, mm -hmm. I found is a really helpful way to get information. I would say just asking, even when you're not a newer coach, I do this annually Nice. where I sit down and I will talk with a few key clients, especially ones that I feel like they may, that might not have been ideal for them. <laughs> the ones where I know I'm going to get negative feedback and I'll, and I'll say, or I'm fearful of it. And I'll say that how did that work? What worked well? What didn't work well? And I'll make sometimes minor adjustments. Right now, a massive major adjustment, partially based on my whole, I'm doing an efficiency kick this year. And I am actually moving a meeting that used to be my third meeting to my very last meeting voting process, right? I mean, it's like, it's not a minor change. It's a major change. And so even as you get more skilled and more advanced, I would highly encourage you to do what Garrett said, just asking people because there's always ways to improve it. There's always things that you'll learn as you get better at something and that getting better at something causes things to break. Questions in the comments. And then I have a question for you that I'm curious about. For sure. No questions in the comments right now. So you okay. just go ahead and ask me. So one of the things that I'm playing with and I'm curious about your perspective on this, is the minimum and maximum meeting times. So I'll let you answer and then I'll tell you what I found and then we'll kind of, yeah, maybe have a little bit of a back and forth conversation on it because it's something I'm experimenting with and trying to get better at. So I'm curious your thoughts on it. And when you mean minimum, do you mean like on your onboarding initial five sessions? Do you mean what we can go either way? I'm just thinking in general, how how short is too short? How long is too long based on what you've experienced with with people in your going on six years? Yeah. Yeah. So I found that this is a little bit on the long side, but people can do I found about a maximum of two hours, usually even taking a little break in between, just being like, let's stretch, let's like wiggle things out because it's a, it's a lot. And yeah. so my onboard, my kind of initial meeting is, I say up to two hours so that if we get it done earlier, we're done setting that expectation. I've kind of gone back between 90 minutes and two hours. Occasionally in the 90 minutes, I felt rushed for that initial big session. Mm -hmm. So I say two hour, we have two hours. If we outside of that, I just do one hours for most people in the ongoing or the initial four month program. If I've been working with people for a while, we'll have anywhere from 30 to 60 minute check-ins. I've never been able to do 15. Really, it's just like quick spot 
coaching that some people have done. But for me, it's if people go ongoing monthly, after a while, oftentimes it's 30 minutes. Or if they do once a quarter, it's 60 minutes. Some still do 60 minutes monthly, but it's not very many after they've gone through the initial. Yeah, 15 minutes I found is hard because what I find is you kind of lose 10 minutes just in relationship. Hey, how have you been in the last month? So on and so forth. And, you know, the argument can be, well, just get down to brass tacks, get down to business. Well, I find two problems with that. Number one, this is a relationship business and people feel devalued in those scenarios. But number two, you learn a lot just by those casual conversations that are throwaway conversations. They aren't. And so that, that was the, that's the challenge that I found is 15 minutes. Just It always feels like it's either cut off or it goes over. And then on the upper end, I've actually found 90 minutes is about as long as people can go. Now, if they're just receiving information, they can go longer. I regularly teach three-hour classes when it's on ground in classes at night. And it is very common that students are a little freaked out that the three hours has already gone by. But that's generally not what coaching is. It's not receiving information and asking questions. It's generally more active on their hand. And so I find that 90 minutes really pushes people as they think about how do I apply the things we're talking about and how am I going to deal with this? Yeah, I was just curious what your perspective was, mainly because I'm building a big efficiency thing and I need to figure out what is that time period that's going to be automated into it? Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah. And I'm thinking it's probably not going to happen in the next quarter, but like of ways of delivering some of the information that happens in sessions. Like I try to keep most of it outside of sessions where the learning happens, but if what can I give them as homework or what can I have set up in more of a structured approach so that, you know, whether it's in videos or I know articles change depending on the client, but there are some articles or some videos that would be helpful for all and just systematizing that. Mm -hmm. Then again, I also know that some, I'll give it to some people and they won't watch them anyway. There are some clients that just don't do that work, no matter how much work I put in on my end to find all the right information for them. So I go a little bit back and forth around that, but it's something on my mind. I'm just like, okay, would it make sense to not have like a course along with it Mm -hmm. because it is so bespoke, but almost like a, some particular videos that are relevant to most clients. We were just about wrapping up. But yeah, we I'm were. So yeah. glad. I'm so glad that we stayed and finished the conversation or else the world would not have gotten that adorable moment. So I'm very glad. Anything else that you have or was that enough? I would say if anything else that the group has, that if they have, the community has questions that were spawned by this. So thanks as always, Josh. And thanks everyone for watching. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well.
If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to financialcoachesnetwork backslash start here or financialcoachesnetwork backslash stall uh, if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.